Sisters. My name is Sturgill. This has been a long time coming, 117 years in fact. I thought a quill and ink could tell my story when I first was kicking this idea around my head. Then my modern 1920s typewriter seemed like the proper tool. But then I realized the harsh reality, which is that I never learned to read or write. Eventually, technology finally allowed me to start my journey towards an audio recording of my life story, told in short episodes, because I need to take hourly naps. Otherwise, my heart will detonate and send radioactive century-old guts all over my retirement home. Finally, after convincing my grandson's nerd virgin friend Ethan to pimp out my rusty but trusty Apple II, after getting him to read me a 400-page manual to learn how to access the voice memo feature on this Nokia I found in an ashtray outside an abandoned Chipotle, and after blowing 95% of my monthly social security check to hire a sound engineer through Craigslist, I finally got the equipment I need to tell my compelling life life story. Nobody in my rotten family will unglue their ADHD eyeballs and ear holes off their 4K HD OLED phone and TV screens for two microseconds to listen to me ramble on and on about living in the early 1900s, so I've decided to try to reach them through their mobile telephones. Maybe those ungrateful kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids will listen when I infiltrate their precious YouTube and podcast feeds. So let's start from the beginning, you kooky cuck knuckles. Chapter 1. The Birthening. In 1903, I blasted from my mother's coot chute like ravioli out of a t-shirt gun. I splattered against the wall headfirst, which dented my skull like a flat basketball. My mother eventually asked the doctor to crack open a window, and some of the cigar smoke she had been coughing up during the delivery cleared out enough so they could discover that I was, in fact, a baby boy. My father would have been there too, but he had a prior engagement, and that engagement was turning into a marriage right at the moment they were chainsawing my foreskin off in the shed behind the hospital. That's right, I'm circumcised, ladies. And that's also right, my dad was getting married to my stepmom slash aunt, my mom's sister Dorothy. After a few days of calling me Dirt Boy, my ma, stepma, and pa, who all lived together in a one-bedroom townhouse, decided to call me Sturgill. It was a beautiful moment. So there I was with a single mom, a dad married to my aunt, and a used toilet sponge as a pillow. Things could not have been better. My memories are a little hazy after that until my first birthday when my non-traditional trio of parents decided to get me the best present a baby could imagine. They dropped me off at a motel with the fewest number of drug needles out front they could find, threw me a piece of unbuttered toast, and drove off into the sunset, never looking back. It was my time to leave the nest." which was ironic because I spent the next six months sleeping in a nest, eating regurgitated worms and seeds that were left behind by a mama bird that I also ate. I discovered quickly the trials and tribulations of moving out. Unfortunately, the food supply quickly ran out. I hadn't yet learned to speak English or walk or shit in the proper shitting locations, so life as a one-year-old was challenging. 
and people tend to run in fear whenever a strange baby crawls nearby. These so-called pro-lifers shooed me away when I begged for just a drop of water. I find solace in knowing that they're all long dead. Eventually, however, I ran into a good egg, a tasty crow's egg that kept me alive for the extra day I needed to meet my stepdad, Bongo. He was selling hot dogs out of his cardboard box house and offered one to me as I was crying on a park bench. He told me later that it was pretty obvious I was going through a rough patch, what with me being a naked baby on a park bench and all. Bongo was great. He had run into great fortune in his early 20s after winning an Oscar Mayer Lifetime Supply of Wieners contest. I ate all beefs from dawn till dusk while Bongo tried hawking them to whoever walked by. He managed to scrape by enough money to get us water, vitamins, and a private tutor that taught me how to speak English. Bongo desperately wanted to know what happened to me, why I was a diaperless drifter floating through life without parents. And by the time I was four and a half, I had finally scraped together enough speaking words to explain to him my situation. He had made many renovations to his cardboard box house by that point, so I sat down in our foyer with him and explained about my birth, my folks, and the way they pushed me out of the nest so I could learn to fly. That's when I was taught that the typical age to leave the nest was 18. Bongo was angry. I was confused. He asked me where they lived. I didn't know. He asked me their names. Hell, I only knew my first name. Sturgill. He made it a mission to track them down and get an apology, and I was grateful for his enthusiasm, but skeptical that we'd ever see them again. That was until we happened to see them again. Dad and my aunt were walking down the street early in the morn, and while I was slurping down my breakfast weenie and coffee we found in a Starbucks dumpster, I noticed Bongo selling them a deluxe hot dog. Dad was in a suit. Aunt Dorothy was wearing a beautiful dress. They said thank you and started walking away, and I flagged Bongo down excitedly. That's them. That's my dad and aunt, I told him. He ran up, grabbed me by the arm, and we started following them from the shadows. Quickly and quietly we followed, darting behind objects to stay out of sight while still keeping close. After about an hour and a half, we saw them approaching an enormous, pristine mansion. Butlers out front grabbed Dad's suit jacket and hat. One gave Dorothy a lemon water. Mom was out front sunbathing. Is that your house? Bongo asked. No, I told him. They must have come into some money right after throwing me to the wolves. That place is 50 times the size of our old townhouse. We sat in a bush, thinking about the next steps. Son, Bongo said. May I call you son? No. I said, Sturgill? Sturgill? Sturgill, Bongo said. I have something that I wanted to wait to show you until you were older, but I think we have no other choice. Bongo and I walked back to the cardboard house, into the cardboard storage unit where he kept all his secret projects and cardboard sex swing. Inside was a massive trebuchet made from countless sheets of cardboard. I've been building this since we met. Bongo said. Tonight, we will use this to infiltrate your parents' mansion, break inside, and get them to apologize. If that's okay with you, I nodded. 
Around nine o'clock at night, we wheeled that massive trebuchet out front. Bongo loaded it with massive boulders of smushed-together hot dogs, lit the grease that they were coated in, and stared out at the mansion. Three, two, one. Bongo counted before launching the payload. The slimy, fiery wiener bomb exploded against the house, ripping a hole right in the second-story wall. My mom screamed from inside. Butler archers scaled to the roof and began launching arrows. Bongo launched another wiener bomb and massacred every last archer with one greasy blast. I saw my dad and Aunt Dorothy sprint out the back, hopping their chain-link fence into the forest behind the house. We have to run, Sturgill. They're getting away. My mom started running, too, about a minute behind Dad and Dorothy. We caught up to her quickly. Sturgill, she said. Bongo knocked her unconscious with his wicked pimp hand. We'll come back for her later. Dad and Dorothy were slow going, so after a minute of chasing, we were right on their trail. Bongo threw a tiny wiener grenade in front of them, which blasted a crater into the dirt and knocked them to the ground. Then we were right on top of them. Hey, Dad. Hey, Aunt Dorothy, I said. You fucking piece of shit. You destroy my home, kill my servants, and scare my wife and ex-wife to death. You're no son of mine. I don't care if you've made a new friend and learned how to launch trebuchets. You're still a loser, and you'll always be a loser, my daddy said. Bongo cocked a cardboard shotgun he pulled out of his pants and put it to Dad's skull. Dad's tone changed pretty quickly after that, and Bongo locked eyes with me. Say the word, Sturgill, and I'll do it.